You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson, and we are once again trying an experiment. So full warning for everybody, this is a not safe for work episode. So if you're not listening to it on headphones, highly recommend you put on headphones or listen to it before you go to bed. There's alcohol involved. Cheers, everyone. It's great to see my co-host with me today. We got Lisa Schnarr, Carlos Nuche, and Natalie Pitchford with us. We're just going to riff for a little while. We're going to pick a topic and we're just going to go. Hopefully it's entertaining and educational. Actually, I'm not even sure at this point if we're concerned it's educational, but I hope at least is educating. So for that, we're going to pick about uh, talk about virtual call management today. Everybody's in virtual. Everybody's struggling. We still see people struggling with it. How do I connect to another human being? How do I manage the space? Things like that. And since it was Natalie's topic, I'm going to kick it to her first and let her set the stage. Why is this so important today, Natalie? Hey, Chad. You know, it's something I'm hearing every day. I mean, we thought by now that we'd be in a different place with the pandemic, but we're not. We are where we are. And all across the globe, we're in different levels. But one thing is still happening is a lot of our sales teams are still calling virtually. And, you know, it's, it's been a struggle for some. For those who typically have loved going out and having those drinks or having those conversations in the parking lot or on the way to the elevator, that's changed. That dynamic isn't there anymore. And I, I do see a lot of struggles with, okay, how do I maintain that momentum virtually? How do I keep those relationships going? How do I even establish new relationships virtually? And, you know, I think if anything that this year and a half has taught us, it's so important to keep that human element. And it's so important to maintain those relationships, even though we can't physically be be together. And one of the things that I've heard so often is, well, I don't think I can be me virtually. You know, I, it's different. It's not, how do I be me? And, and it's, it's, I can see it's a real, a real struggle, right? And I, I think there's absolutely, I was watching my 11-year-old daughter. Um, you know, she had her high school. She's going into high school, and she's got orientation virtually, which, you know, think of going into high school and having to do this virtual, right? And oh. I saw her in front of her in, in front of the camera, and I realized how tense she was. And I and I I realized that a lot of us feel that way sometimes. We feel that when we're in front of the camera, we're not allowed to be us. And I think that's probably the most important thing that we need to take away from that is is be you. It's you're having a conversation. Yes, the medium is different. We're not right next to each other. But how how do you you know still be you? Be authentic. Ask the questions. Engage. And, you know, it was such an eye-opener watching her, but it was also reflective of how we feel as sales and that we're just not truly being authentic as, as we'd like to be in front of a camera. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. The thing that has surprised me, actually, as we've done more and more of this virtual engagement is how annoying virtual backgrounds are. Not only there's a whole bunch of, you know, psychology and neuroscience around it flattening the image and us not being able to see facial expressions and things like that, but... I kind of get to the point where I want to know the person I'm talking to. You know, I don't, I know Carlos and I don't do our hair before we get on virtual. It's okay if other people don't. Well, we want to see what's going on in the background. It helps us connect better to human beings, but it does require us to apply a different skill set in terms of managing that, especially that we talked about earlier, that credibility intro, but that connection to a human being. I'm curious, Lisa, from your perspective, 
what what's the biggest challenge you see get in the way of people actually getting comfortable with this new approach to sales? Well, I think we all think we have to get it perfect every time. And that's why people rely on the virtual backgrounds is because we don't want to show the unfolded laundry or, or whatever. Like I'm fortunate enough to have an office where, well, guess what? I have a messy bookshelf. There it is. Like with, with necklaces and stuff on top. So like when, when I'm on calls, this is, this is kind of like a narrow video, but I don't hide it. I think, you know, and, and I have a geriatric cat that you could hear in the background. He's not howling right now, but he might at any moment. And sometimes I let people believe it's a child because it's easier to explain than a geriatric cat that likes to howl at the top of his lungs. But I think this level of humanity has just leveled us all again, like worldwide. I work with clients all over the world. We all do. We do. Like it's the first conversation that you have now is how are you doing? How are things going? And you genuinely mean it because we're all in the same situation and we're all, it's changing so quickly. We start to think things are getting better. Then they get worse. Then things come up, you, you know, we don't even have to talk about it because we're living it. But I think that levels us to a point that we haven't been in sales in a very long time. We used to rely on certain tactics to connect with people. And now it's just like, you know what? We have this one common subject to talk about with anybody anywhere in the world. And it's positioned us to talk about like the individual and their like how they're affected by things first. And I think that's connecting us back to the humanity and sales in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. And I think honestly, right before this pandemic, if, if anyone can remember 2019, which feels like 10 years ago, we were talking about how a lot of sales roles were going to be automated. We're going to be robotic, how it's going to go away. And now more than ever, I think we've realized, you know what? You can only connect to people on a human level if you really truly understand what they're going through in that moment. And the virtual selling environment has been imposed on industries that have never had to do it before. So they're getting dragged into the 21st century, kicking and screaming in order to keep their businesses going. And I feel like, I don't know, I actually would throw this to the group. I feel like there was a moment, of course, where we all went, holy crap, how are we going to keep going? And in, especially industries that rely on in-person who had never done remote work before. Let's put that out there too. It's like, you know, it's not just remote selling, it's remote work who had never had a remote workforce are just like trying to figure out how to stay alive during these times and are realizing, oh my God, this whole time we could have kept this business going. And maybe in some cases it was more painful than others, but we've realized that things can be digital first. But how, how do you guys think, like, how do you folks think that the attitude has changed since like, do you, do you feel like it's temporary? Cause I feel like it's a shift, but I don't know. Carlos, you got, you keep doing that with your face, man. You're going to have to worry. You're going to have to get some Botox. You're doing the bobbing. So like, I'm getting seasick. You're doing it. I'm trying to think here. I'm not standing up moving around like I normally am. Um, I, I'm going to go back at top and say, hey, I think for um, some folks, selling virtually is hard. And, I, and I'm going to try to be sensitive, Carlos, for a second. 
And I mean that because they're in tough environments or they're, they're dealing with buyers that don't normally buy virtually. I dealt with, and this is globally. I dealt, I was doing some coaching and you know, I like this client because I did one-on-one coaching for a young professional, which I normally would not do at my time. COVID hit. He was living in a tiny apartment in Madrid. I remember talking to him and it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm just, he's talking to me over his bed in this little bedroom. I mean, it was tiny. We talked about, he was allowed to leave his room once a day to go grocery shopping, exercising. He had to do in the building, he had to go up and downstairs. So I, you know, the joke was I'm thinking about grabbing the neighbor's pet so I can go outside and walk the pet. Cause it, that does, you know, you don't get fined for that. So Folks, let's, on one hand, I want to be sensitive that people have been forced to do virtual that were not prepared, that are in environments that are not ideal, dealing with customers and buyers that are not used to buying virtually. Now, that being said, for the rest of us, come on. <laughs> Stop using it as an effing excuse. The world is spinning and people are making money. And you're sitting on the sidelines going, but I can't touch him and take him out to lunch. Beep was what I would normally say to that. Hey, come on. The world is spinning. Is it harder? Yeah. In some ways it is, especially if you're not used to it. Is it possible? I love that what's impossible. Okay, again, I, I do want to be sensitive. In certain industries, in certain markets, maybe it's nearly impossible because they just don't buy and connect with human beings that way. But I think that is this versus this. Mm -hmm. So for the, those of you who are in this group, I'm sorry, you're screwed. It's tough for you. <laughs> you're going to have to find a way to survive. For those that are in this bucket, what are you doing? Get off the freaking couch. Put up a little green curtain. Find a corner. Clear out a closet, for God's sake. Try to make a little environment where you can actually, you know, put, prop up your laptop, find some backup cameras that you can buy off Amazon and create your little world to connect with folks. Stop using it as an excuse. The world is going to change just like it's changed before. It'll change again. But I don't think it'll change to be exactly what you all expect because it's always changing, right? So in this world of virtual, Natalie, great topic. I think we all need to find a way to, you know, be successful in the situation that we have. Find your way to get there. Get over your fear of engagement. I do usually better standing up than sitting down. So yes, it's a long day, folks. You see me sitting down, I'm sorry. But you know what? You gotta do what you can in the environment you got. So whether you're standing up, sitting down, lighting behind you, find a way to make the environment work. I've changed my office three times over. I don't think people need an office anywhere in their home. They need a studio. <laughs> Okay, you need to find your little spot because you're going to want to be on video. And folks, think of the flip side. If you get the other person to share the video, you can see their expressions. You can see they're actually even paying attention. I have a CRO I work with that I think takes all calls like this. Yeah, uh-huh, I get it. Now that I have him on video, you can actually see it before he was just lying to you. 
<laughs> so, folks, there's a lot of advantages to this video. Think about all the time you save traveling to the office, hopping on a plane, right? It's uh, embrace it a little bit because I think for a segment of the market, it's here to stay. You got to make this medium work for you. And uh, if an ugly face like this can do it, you guys can do it. That's what I got to say. Well, there's an important point in there, right? There's the the authenticity, which is a common topic that we're seeing today. For the first time in a long time, I don't want to say ever, but in a long time, we have a shared global experience. Uh, it is a huge shift that everybody's addressing, trying to deal with. I mean, I know, I'll, I'll be honest, this actually came up when I was talking to Julia, our CEO earlier today. I remember back in March of 2019, when all of this COVID stuff hit and I, there was a good two weeks where I was shitting myself because I didn't know what would happen to the business. We were so used to doing over 90% of our work in person. And now we have to take what little we were doing in virtual and migrate it to be world-class. And I wasn't hundred percent sure the business was going to survive. And then to actually facilitate in virtual is a completely different animal, but we made it fun. I mean, Carlos and I got into this weird ass competition. I'm still not sure how we did it about who was going to set up the best studio. Right? Who's going to have the best lighting? Because we both have the same challenges. If the light's in the wrong place, then the head is shiny and that's distracting. And what's behind us, right? What's going on behind us? And, and how, how are you going to be able to have the best audio quality? How are you going to be able to engage? What do you have to do to translate the human through the digital in terms of the camera? Mm -hmm. The big aspect I see, I think I still see is fear in the sales teams with not understanding how to prep effectively to manage the virtual environment. Because if you are prepping for a call in virtual, there is more upfront prep, I believe, more upfront prep and expectation management that has to happen through other communication forms in order to make this as effective as it was before. And I'm curious, Lisa or Natalie, I'll just throw it out. What, what have you seen in terms of either reps trying to figure out what is going to be most effective or teams or leadership even helping educate them on how to master virtual interaction. Yeah, I I, lot, I've sorry. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back Go to the first ask there, Chad. So I, I see what, what's been happening is that teams, more and more teams have been really struggling with this. And in terms of equipping the leadership in particular are struggling with how to equip their teams with the right set of expectations for virtual meetings. And what I've noticed more and more over the last year and a half is really trying to drive the skill set to say you must be more prepared. And this is what preparation looks like. Preparation looks like sending an agenda ahead of time, you know, really setting the expectations ahead of time. You know, cameras on. We want to see you. We're going to be 30 minutes, and, and that's it. And keeping to that time. And it's so important that we set those expectations ahead of time because then, you know, the audience comes prepared, you're prepared, and really holding the participants to that. You know, if I'm on a call and I see eyes down and I see people, you know, checking messages and all of that, that's disrespectful of my time, you know, and it's, it's, it's how do you call that out? Because that, that's, that's 30 minutes I've invested or 45 minutes I've invested to spend to you. Don't be afraid to call that out and say, hey, you know, do we do this at another time? If, if this is something that, you know, you know we, we can't get your attention right now, let's do it at another time. And some folks are afraid of doing that. Some folks are actually afraid of calling it out. But you have to, I think. If we're going to really develop the respect that this time for this virtual meeting is, is worth everyone's participation. Lisa. Hey, Natalie, just... just Sorry, just something you said there that it just resonated. 
we've had people looking down at their phones and not paying attention when we're there in person. We've all seen it. Yeah. Then we had to learn presentation skills like standing behind them, calling on them to get them to engage and break a habit. And it is the same thing in this virtual environment. You got to find your confidence and your mm -hmm. techniques to get them to engage. And I just wanted to bring that up because even when you think you're prepared to go virtual, the other person at the other end might not be. Mm -hmm. And hey, it, it, if they're, you know, they're just looking sideways as they're looking at their side screen, that's one thing. But if they're looking down at their phone and not paying attention, hey, build your confidence and techniques. Call on them. Hey, Chad, what do you think? Uh, does that resonate with you, right? You know, feel free to try to get them to, um, engage without just calling them out going hey you're looking at your phone and it's the same skills we would have if we were in person it's just a different medium mm -hmm. sorry just well, there's a jump in. no there's a there's a confidence a aspect there though that i think that mm -hmm. i think is important there's a confidence um it, not in just controlling a room but controlling an interaction and i'll, I'll be the first to admit if you put me in a room full of people and i have all the tricks and tactics down for controlling that room and calling people out. It's easier, I think, for people to hide when we're in person because of the depth, like they're in the back corner or whatever the hell, wherever they're sticking their head. I had one I had one kid who was actually placing sports bets during a meeting, which I caught, you know, but that was in person. In virtual, I can see everybody's face. You're all equidistant from me. And if I have the ability to scan and I have the confidence to say, ask that question, because I can't physically stand behind them, I'll ask them that question to snap them back. It's the same type of control as we're executing the meeting. The piece that I think is so critical that is being missed is that prep, is that send the email at Natalie's point with the agenda, but also I'm going to say the meeting's 25 minutes and the last five minutes, I need my power person, my decision maker, my influencer mm -hmm. to stick around so I can have a much more authentic and connected one-on-one -on -one interaction with that person. Ask them questions that I wouldn't ask them in a group setting. Or maybe I'm bullshit, Lisa. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I'm obviously bullshit, but besides that. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As everyone can tell. <laughs> um, but no, I actually like... <laughs> As much as I preach it and I don't practice it, I actually do wish I had a 15 minute buffer between every meeting because I do feel like every time we start to get to the meet with clients, it's at the end of the call. And then it's, you know, you go over because you're finally in that place where we've warmed up and we've gotten to the heart of the issue. So if we could actually plan for that and, and I'm, I'm working on it. I don't, I don't know if you're working on it, but like, it, that last few minutes seems to be really important. And I do feel like, so I don't know, my background has always been in inside sales. I very rarely met my clients face to face and to this day have only sold mostly inside sales. So I'm coming from a perspective where virtual is my life for the last 13 years. So <laughs> I do feel like I'm coming at this from a place of like not really understanding why you can't close deals online, but I do want to be sympathetic to industries that always relied on that trade show experience, that, uh, that hands-on experience. I've been to trade shows during that time as well. And I understand the rapport building that happens in those moments, but I've also built rapport with a lot of people over this medium, the way we're doing today. And I will just point out for listeners, 
Chad is the only one on this call I've met in person. And Carlos and oh, Natalie yeah, true, are also actually. very trusted business partners of mine. So, and, and that, no. Oh, I very rarely met my oh, clients face-to-face. Siri's trying to get <laughs> her opinion. <laughs> was that Siri's like, hey, I've never met people face-to-face. Screw this. And Siri's like, I'm sorry, I don't understand that you've never met people face-to-face. That's what she just said. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. <laughs> But like, I never sold face to face my whole career. So except for like, as I said, uh, I think in a previous podcast, I did start my, my career in enterprise rent a car with people screaming in my face. I don't really actually feel like that was a sales role. That was more of a customer service role because I had to like put out a lot of fires. But I do think that we fall back on a lot of habits that we had in the past that don't actually matter anymore. If you can come across in an educated, trusted, credible way, you're going to build trust with clients that is going to span years of engagement that you wouldn't have ever expected. I think that's an important point. Like there are some of us, some industries that we're used to it. In fact, I mean, in the four years that I've been part of Value Selling Associates, there's only one account, actually two accounts that I've been to physically to sell to. Mm. One, I went with Carlos. I actually got on a plane. The other was just because it was here in Denver. The rest of it, I've, I've sold virtually. So for me, the shift in terms of m- virtual meeting management was not huge. But for other industries, how do you replicate that raw authenticity of you're at a trade show during the day and then you go to dinner at night and then at the next day, you're hungover at the same trade show and you're all having that hungover experience. I mean, I'm not pushing that stuff, but let's just be real. That's typically in my experience over the last 20 years, typically what happens, you have a shared experience. So is there a way to pivot? And because we've all had this shared experience in COVID, the fear of the uncertainty, some people believe, some don't. We've lost, Some people have lost people. Some people haven't. It is a shared shift. Is there a way, perhaps in virtual, to harness that to create the opportunity to connect at the same level you would if you were sitting across the table at a bar with somebody? I mean, we're trying to do it now with drinks and hanging out on on virtual. We're, you know, I'll say it again. Lisa's in Canada. Carlos is outside the U.S. and Georgia. And Natalie's in Jamaica. I mean, we're all over the place. So how do you replicate? How do you coach your teams to be able to be comfortable in that environment? Any thoughts on that one? So, Chad, on the part about being hungover, I, I just can't relate. <laughs> but um, back to your question. Um, you, you know, let, let's – I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. You can use all the analogies. But even just us on our call. Yeah, Lisa, you know, I've met more recently. Natalie, I've known for a, a while Actually, I've known Natalie longer than any of you, but I mean, just recently in engaging with her on certain opportunities and working with her, I've gotten to know her better, right? Uh, Chad, unfortunately, has met me in person and virtually uh, probably more than he ever wanted to. (laughs) And uh, Lisa, you and I met virtually and and really engaged on certain opportunities, but I, I think it takes effort. For young managers out there that you're trying to connect with the employee, create those one-on-one opportunities to just get them to have a conversation. And then when you're in group settings, it's easier to call on individuals to engage because you've met them. You've kind of heard a little bit about their backgrounds, their families, their likes, their dislikes, their desires, right? Um, you got to, it's effort. Um, and Natalie, we're talking about communication. 
I think going virtual, you literally have to over communicate. You know, one of our partners, mm -hmm. David, taught me a new trick and I mean, he's Canadian. So who knew you can learn stuff from Canada? Um, <laughs> he taught, he said, Hey, look, instead of reviewing these slides on in front of him tomorrow, why don't we send it to him on Friday? And then we could say, Hey, we provided it for him. And then we'll just kind of get, see if they have questions. It may make the virtual session even more effective. And he was right. Who knew? Um, <laughs> and, and I, I just keep saying, I've said this to others and I keep learning every day over communicate in this world of COVID. We're all hammered by a million yeah. emails and conversations, but we're trapped at home. <laughs> So find ways to over communicate. And honestly, in the meeting we had, the majority of folks did not read this beautiful email that David had written. No, but, I, but because we went through the effort of doing so, guess what? They leaned in a little closer to listen to the slides now. Mm -hmm. yeah, they said, hey, hold on a second. Let me just read this last one. And they were willing to put the extra effort to make sure that the message is well communicated. So again, I'm all over the place. It's a good thing I'm not hung over, but um, <laughs> it's really, I mean, I think in virtual, you got to find multiple ways to communicate. Cause the other thing I think of folks that I find is, is everybody's overworked. Yeah. I mean, I'm for the folks that aren't working and, and my dad spent his whole life in hospitality. So believe me, I understand segments of the business. But there's other segments of the business that all we've done is work. We've got no place to go. <laughs> and we're, as a lot of folks are just overworked. So over communicate the message, do it in fun, interesting ways, and then make your virtual experiencing another fun experience to kind of pull people together. Let people be themselves. That's my two uh, cents. I did, that's an important piece right there. So there's this balance, right? There's this balance depending on the size of the organization. I have a corporate identity, a corporate brand. If I'm a global organization, I have regional sensitivities I have to be aware of. Somebody somewhere, of course, is going to send us an email and say, ah, this doesn't work in Uzbekistan or it doesn't work in France or it doesn't work in Germany. Bullshit. Everybody's human. At the end of the day, what we're talking about is how do you connect to a human being? We're talking about executing out of a place of respect for ourselves because we did the prep and more importantly, the respect for the people that we're talking to. The virtual environment is honestly, I think it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to mm -hmm. optimize the ROI for every minute spent in terms of engagement. I mean, I know in my own business over the last 18 months, I've done the math. It's not complicated math. So don't anybody get out of their skin about it. That figures out that the time I spent on a plane is it's lost opportunity. I can't engage with someone except the person next to me who 98% of the time is not going to be a lead or, or somebody that's going to be able to advance my personal financial goals <clears throat> to recover from divorces and actually hit retirement. It, but at the end of the day, those are interactions that are, what did Fight Club call it? What did they call them? So, so, single serving friends. Anybody remember Fight Club, single serving friends? Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about on a plane. That's probably before Lisa's time. Shit, I just felt old. All right. So anyway, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is how do you manage it? And I think Natalie hit on it. It's the prep. I think we have to, as leaders, help our teams understand that the preparation and expectation management uh, is just as critical now. It was critical before, but nobody did it uh, or mm -hmm. they wouldn't do it and complain about it. Now it's 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 
vital for us to be able to connect to other human beings. And I'm curious to see with the clients that you all are working with, why, why do we still not get it? Why do we still have our sales reps selling from the shadows? Now, granted, I've got studio lights in here, as most of you do. And Lisa just all of a sudden got studious with her glasses. But you get studio lights in here for lighting. And you still have sales reps that are selling from the shadows. Or they're looking down at the camera like some very obvious things. Why isn't leadership really helping them attempt to optimize the humanity of their own presentation? Carl. <laughs> Carlos looks like old Mother Hubbard. Anyway. <laughs> you, know, you know, Chad, that's such a great point, Chad. And, you know, I, I worked with a, a team recently, a couple of months ago, and, and this team, culturally, their business depended on just being in person. And they, they really struggled with making this transition. And, and, I, and I asked why, you know, what are some of the things? Some of it was just being so self-conscious. They were so self-conscious, like Lisa mentioned, of being at home, of having kids in the background, of having spouses walking behind, of having stuff going on. And, and I think they got so wound up that they needed to have the perfect studio. Now, we know not everyone can have the perfect studio. And at some point, we just got to realize that, you know, half or more of the world are in the same shoes that we are and just, just be human. Yes, you don't want to have dirty laundry in the background. So there, there are basic things that you do need to do. And, and we do need to set some ground rules and some, some best practices. But at the end of the day, you know what? We're used to seeing someone pass by in the background. We're used to hearing that the kid's home and, and doing school. You know, we just need to get over that. And, and, and it's a hump that I think some people struggle with because they're just so self-conscious of, oh, my gosh, what are they going to think? Right? What are they going to think? Um, and we just need to realize that we're all in very similar boats and we just need to move beyond that, I think, you know? Absolutely. All right. So to be respectful of everybody's time, 30 seconds, each one of you, biggest takeaway you want people to have when it comes to virtual meetings. Natalie, it was your topic. So I'm going to start with you. You know, just, just be you. It's, you know, you're talking to people just like, yes, you're doing it in front of a camera and it's not the same as being in front of someone, but at the end of the day, you're having an interaction to you. And I think people truly more than ever now in this environment, they want to have those conversations and they want to feel like they're talking to someone who's genuinely interested and who's being authentic. So my, my, my takeaway is be you. All right, Carlos, you're up. Oh, sorry, man, I had a sorry, I had, a, I had an Amazon delivery. No, I'm going to Carlos next. Sorry, I had an Amazon delivery. Carlos, thirty um, seconds. Be prepared. Isn't that what you, you said last time? Well, Natalie <laughs> just said, "Hey, you don't have to have the perfect studio." She's right. I mean, we've invested a, some money, effort, Amazon pain. points. <laughs> we've invested stuff in this, and let's be real: around the globe, not everybody's going to be doing or has the ability to do it. Not even financially; they just don't live in a situation where they can. So, True. hey, be prepared. Find your environment, make it work for you, realize it. And, I, you know, Natalie, I'm stealing yours. People are human beings. Be a human being and present that. If, you know, people will buy you before they buy the product. Think about Ooh. any product you ever bought. You bought that salesperson and the feeling that they gave you more than you actually bought the product at the end of the day. In fact, we probably paid a premium for that. Right. The feeling that someone's got our back, someone's going to be, you know, be there for us. Right. So you are a differentiator for your company. Be you make it work for you. 
I love it. Lisa, 30 seconds. Oh, you're on mute, Lisa. This is the technology working against us. I don't know why. Oh, no, that was my fault because the geriatric cat was going off the background again. No, that was um, me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. But no, no, to that point, like we're, we're virtual selling. So we have to connect again, like on a human level. I think everything Natalie and Carlos just said is very relevant, but also like, don't overthink it, you know, just be just be we're all just being in the space right now like i have sweatpants on uh, over like under my cardigan <laughs> and tank top you know like you mean i didn't <laughs> have to wear pants today <laughs> well, i don't know why you would have because honestly come on <laughs> or like maybe i put glasses on because i feel like my makeup's failing so guess what just be and be comfortable and talk to people because guess what we're all people and i learned that a lot long time ago, well before this pandemic, when I was traveling through Europe and people helped me regardless of language, culture, where I was from, whatever. I was not one of those people who walked around with a Canadian flag on my backpack. They had no idea where I was from. And I learned a long time ago that we are all just human and we're all Mm. just trying to get through this together. And I feel that is more prevalent than ever. And if you can just take a little faith and take comfort in the fact that we're all in this together, understand each other, and be human. I think we're all going to prevail. Wow. And that was deep right, from so you, that, youngster. That Zen moment, that Zen moment yeah. from Halifax brought to you. That's a lot of vodka. Leisha Snare, three <laughs> drinks brought in. Brought to you by vodka. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by vodka. All right, everyone, I want to thank you for your time. It's been an absolute blast doing this with y'all. For the audience, you know the drill. Leave us a review. Tell us if this is even worth the shit. We don't even know what we're doing. We're just trying to give you some real insight into what former sales executives would be thinking and doing and the insights we're learning with the customers that we work with. So hit iTunes, leave us a review, send us an email, follow the YouTube channel. Whatever you got to do. Until the next time, we all wish you nothing but the greatest selling success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.